No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me today. I saw him in on, on an episode of Forbidden Knowledge News, and it turns out that he has um, Arabic blood like me. I'm part Lebanese, so we have a lot of things in common, even though I'm an American uh, person. And, you know, my dad was in Vietnam and everything. I still have ties to the Middle East, and you know, so I, I find a lot of uh, similarities in the culture. So, but anyway, his name is Sergio Halabi, and he's an independent researcher, and he's the uh, owner of the podcast Paradigm Shift, which he has amazing knowledge. He has an amazing esoteric knowledge. I would say more than me, even though I interview all these people, I have to give him a lot of props. He knows a lot about a lot of these topics we're going to get into, and it really amazes me because uh, I love that because I want to learn, and that's my whole goal in this is to learn. So, Sergio, thank you for joining me. How are you? I am very good, and thank you so much for this introduction. I think now you've set the bar very high <laughs> for the expectations. Well, but uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. And you're 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 amazing. Some of the stuff you, you. really <laughs> deep, delve, deep delve into this knowledge, and I appreciate that because I you know, like I said, I want to learn and I want to know about these topics and like so some of the things like you've delved into, like simulation theory about how you went into the Mandela effect and how that isn't gets into it, but. Tell the audience how you got into this, because I think we kind of got a similar introduction as to how we both got into this. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it's kind of like two separate topics when it comes to, on one side, you have the spirituality of it, when it comes to all the background check, the religion and everything that's more spiritual. And you have more on the, when it comes to simulation, when it comes to Mandela effect, near-death experience, OBEs, which is out-of-body experience and all that. So I've always been interested in everything related to like the nature of reality and what is real, what's not, how do we define it and all that. I was 15 when I saw The Matrix, the movie for the first time. And that is a movie that kind of changed my life because it made me ask questions that I never asked before and it kind of like opened the door for me for a lot of things but most recently is my entire identity has kind of changed and has I delved deeper into everything that is spiritual which has led me down the path of ancient civilizations and religions and how it affects our reality and how it affects our society how we are as people as culture and everything and it kind of started with my own son, who was, I think, five at the time. And we were in the car. I had picked him up from school. And he just out of nowhere asked me about uh, like a very deep question. He was like, so what happens when we die? Do we go to heaven? And at first it caught me off guard because he is such, so young to ask me that question. But and then I remembered when I asked that question to my own parents and the, 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 the answer that I received now, I was brought up, as you said, I'm Lebanese. I'm from the Arab world. I was brought up as Christian, Catholic. And I was always told that whatever we were taught in religion is the ultimate truth, and there is nothing else. And I was given the answer that, yes, there is heaven, there is God, there is this religion, that religion, and this is the truth, and there is no question, and don't ever question it, like that. However, I couldn't give him that answer. Like, I felt my own son asking me a question so important and so profound 
that I couldn't just give him the answer that, yes, this is what is the truth. This is what's known. I don't know. I don't know what is true. No one really knows. Searching, we, are, we have thousands and thousands of years of knowledge. We still have a long way to go for the answer. So it made me question my own self. It made me want to research, to really look at different religions and different mythologies of the past and stuff and so on. And that's when I came to the, you know, the, the, the Sumerian mythology, the, the start of it all, the, the, the cradle of civilization. And once I read it, once I saw the similarities it had to what I was taught was the Bible, was the Old Testament in more specific, which is called the Torah, uh, the more Abrahamic religion, the start of uh, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, and that's when it shocked me completely. It caught me completely off guard because I was told this is my own religion. I was told this is the truth. And here I find that Abrahamic religion is a simple you know, evolution of, of, of a religion that came much long before it in the same region. And it just evolved from it. Like we just took some stories, just changed them from having multiple gods to one god changed a few names here and there to fit a certain narrative, and then we, we ran with it. And it's kind of like the same when you compare Greek and Roman mythologies, how they have kind of the same gods, but they have different names for them. When you have, uh, you know, Zeus versus um, Apollo, for example, or you have this and that. And so we look Enlil, at it in a way Enlil where, okay, Zeus. so... You know what I mean? Enlil is Zeus. The, the Sumerian pantheon is the Greek pantheon. And then like... like He's also like um, exactly Apollo in Rome. You know what I mean. And if you look at yep, uh, yep, exactly. Uh, the you know Thor, Thor the yes, yeah. Viking tradition. He's Thor, I believe, in that tradition. And it's it's very um, it's very interesting. But what I wanted to ask you was there. This is a multiple part question um, because an Anunnaki researcher that I follow a lot, his name is Gerald Clark. He passed away. And if you haven't looked into him, he wrote the Anunnaki of Nibiru. And he also wrote Seventh Planet Mercury Rising. He believes that okay. the, when the Jews were held captive in Babylon, this is when they were introduced to the yeah. stories. And this is probably when they, you know, started creating the Bible. But we know that the Bible has more stuff in it than just the Sumerian stories. So I don't want to discredit yep. the Bible totally because I think there's some good in it. I think there's some good in every religion, but I, I agree. What you're saying, but yes. when you look at yes. who Abraham was, uh, if you read Zechariah Sitchin, he says that Abraham was a general for Enlil, basically. You know, like because Enlil was in the temple of, um, yeah. uh, he was in the Ziggurat temple in the city of Ur, which is like a yeah. you know a Sumerian city, and uh, Abraham's father. Terah was serving Enlil there. And then Abraham, if you read Zechariah Sitchin, Abraham ended up being a general. And so like the, all these three religions ended up spawning from Abraham. And it's just so weird. What are your thoughts on all this? No, no, I completely agree. There are, like you said, first, just to kind of make it clear that I'm not saying that everything in the Bible is wrong. Like I do believe there's a lot of you know, good messages there, good teachings and all that, if we take them. I'm only concerned about when it becomes an organized religion, when there yeah. is a sort of hierarchy to things. That's when things start to, you know, ring wrong in me and I feel like something is off. So whatever, for example, the masters have said over the years, whatever Jesus has said, whatever Buddha said, this is not like made up or whatever. It's just how it was taken, how it was politicized and all that. Like I always say that religion is spiritual 
spirituality combined with politics. That's what, what religion comes. Yeah. So going back to what you were saying, there is something very interesting that I found in the Old Testament when I reread it again and again. And there is there seems to be this duality in God's in her decisions that he is making that don't really make sense if you read them from an Abrahamic point of view. However, they make a lot of sense if you read them from a Sumerian point of view. Because you have, for example, let's say Abraham and the story of how he was asked to sacrifice his own son, right? And then like, you have to show how much of, uh, you know, you, 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 you're allegiant to me and you trust me and all that. And at last time he was told, no, don't do that, stop that. You have the story, of course, of the flood and how, you know, on one side, God is saying, uh, I'm going to kill all of humanity. We're going to reset it all. And then he's saying, no, but you guys, I like you. I want you to stay. So go ahead and build the ark. You have a destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and telling people that you have sinned and you all that. And then telling them, please get out and all that. So you have this. It feels like there's this duality in God, where in fact, when we trace them back to the Sumerian mythology, we see that there were two different entities talking. One is Enlil, who is saying that I don't like humanity, they are too loud, <laughs> as per the, yeah. the stories, they, I can't sleep at night, um, I want them gone, they are now reproducing, they are now this and that, I want to, 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 uh, to, to eliminate them and then start over. And you have, of course, Enki on the other side, who has created or has helped in the creation of mankind and is sort of like interested in his science project, right? Like it's not much, not a lot of, you know, I love them as much as I want to see how far they can get, like how much can we, can we get out of them? So this duality that we have in the Old Testament of the Bible, it, 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 it rings a lot better when you say that there were two different entities in it, even, even in uh, there's a, when, uh, when the Jews were, were released from, uh, from Egypt, when they were released from Egypt and they were going to the promised land of Israel, um, there is a, there's a paragraph in the Old Testament where God is talking to Moses and he tells him something that is very interesting and yet no one really talks about and uh, we'll, we'll segue that into, uh, you know, God versus goddess and all that stuff, which, uh, which I want to mention. But he tells him that you're going to reach the land of Israel and you're going to find people there, but I do not want you to trade with them and I don't want you to engage with them. I want you to go to war and destroy them. And he tells him, I want you to destroy in specific, he tells him, I want you to destroy the, um, the, the monument of the goddess uh, Asherah, who is Ashtarut who is Easter right now. So this she was the goddess at the time. Inanna, right? Ishtar, which was Inanna. Exactly. She's the, she's the um, uh, wife of Anu. Uh, and he said, I want you to destroy that. And he says, in specific, he says, because I am a jealous God and do not want to share you with anyone else. He never said, I'm the only God. He never said all the other ones are wrong or fake. He just said, I want you to be mine. And I want you to fight those who worship another god. Can I say something? And wrong? this seems to me like uh, they, they, if you look yeah. at where they went into, they, the the Jews went into the lands where the where the Anakim, and these were the uh, Sumerian king giants. They were 
probably Nephilim offspring yep. because it was the land of the Anakim. And Anakim is yep. sim similar to Anunnaki. And you, if you look into um, yep. uh, a good researcher called uh, Matt LaCroix, he made a video called Moses and the, the Nephilim Caves, where the Jews were told mm -hmm. to go into these lands and raid these um, Nephilim kings. And one was King Og. And you, I'm sure you've heard of King Og from the Bible. King Og was yep. a Nephilim king. And the Jews raided this area because... Enlil, God, I believe God was Enlil. I believe Yahweh was Enlil. It's Yahweh, yes, yes, yes. Wiped exactly. out because he wanted to just be him. And it, 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 I'm, so I'm going with, kind of going with exactly with what you're saying. Like That's true. And also, if you, and if you take the story of, uh, of David and Goliath, I mean, this is a, literally a Jewish person who is David and fighting a giant, which yeah. were the original people of the land, which are known as uh, now, you know, Palestine and Israel and all the stuff that are still carried until now, five, six thousand years later, they're still fighting. But that's the thing, because even like within the story of the Bible itself, like we're not even talking about uh, different religions. We're talking about Abrahamic religions. There are mentions of these giants who were there, who were in the land already. And you have the story of David and how he fought him. But because it is written from the point of view of Judaism or from Enlil and all that, it's David who is the hero of the story. So, so, so Goliath was made to look like the bad guy, like he's the, the, the you know, the, uh, the oppressor and all that, where in fact, they were the original people of the land and, and Lila was the one who told his people to come over and take. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you ever hear the, if you've ever heard the, uh, the, the, um, the quote, history is written by the victors. Which oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But this gets that is, questions uh, I wanted to ask you the, the about the goddess and these pre-Adamite civilizations. Yes. I don't know much about yep. can you can you talk about what you know about this? Because I find this very interesting. It's actually really is interesting because um, even from like if we want to stay away from mythology for a little bit and talk just pure history and pure art, there's a very interesting uh, documentary uh, you could watch. It's called the How Art Made the World. And it talks about how humanity expresses themselves with art before they did with words and any other language, which, you know, paint, uh, cave paintings and, and uh, building and all that stuff. So pre-Adamite civilizations are what we refer to as these hunter-gatherer societies. So they were nomads. They would just completely move from one location to another. We're talking thousands and thousands, if not like a million, two million years ago, when uh, before we became uh, settlers and farmers and all that, we were moving around all over the earth. And there are traces of that all over. Now, this group of people, uh, they have something very interesting. Uh, and uh, uh, she's a, um, so they discovered that they had made the first statue that was ever created. Okay. And it's the first form of art. It's even done before uh, the painting was done in the caves. And uh, they refer to her as Venus, Venus of Wollendorf. This is what now archaeologists and historians refer to her. And she represents a goddess and the creation of life. So the way she was built is wow. she had giant breasts and a giant uh, belly, which is the representation of giving life. So when a woman gets pregnant, when she, when she breastfeeds and all that. So this to them was very important. And Throughout those entire civilizations, we can see that the presence of any form of, you know, 
supreme being or creator or anything was in the form of a goddess and not a god, okay? And that actually makes a lot of sense because when you look at when we have uh, masculine traits and feminine traits, we're talking on an energetic level. I'm not talking male, female uh, and all that. I'm not talking feminism and all that. I'm talking masculine traits and feminine. So this is one of the laws of um, the 12 laws of the universe, which yeah, is the, the gender. Divine masculine, divine uh, feminine, right? so, exactly. So the divine feminine is represented by the giving, the giving life, nurturing, loving, uh, you know, compassion, empathy, and all that stuff. This is what a feminine, uh, divine feminine is. The divine masculine is more plan, judging, uh, having a sort of a goal, and I want to reach that goal. There's a purpose to it. There is more defined uh, uh, traits to it. So when we compare what those goddesses were to those civilizations before, it makes a lot of sense for them to kind of look at the creator as someone who is feminine, because that's what a feminine is. It, it gives life, it creates, it loves, it, it forgives, and all that. Jump to the, the Anunnaki and the entire um, Abrahamic religion, we see a whole shift in how we look at the creator. Now it's more patriarchal. Now it's more He's a judgmental God. He will look at you, and if you make something wrong, he will punish you for it. The, the, uh, he has a goal. He has a purpose of why are you here? What is your plan in life? Why were you created? And so on and so on. So we kind of like shifted completely from, from what a creator is supposed to be, and we now look at him as much more of a man, masculine trait, and that's not what it was about, because the masculine energy cannot create. It, 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 that's not how it operates. It's the feminine one. And I believe personally from reading the entire, even by the way, even the Anunnaki themselves, okay, they believed that they were created by a goddess, which was uh, her name was Tiamat. That's, yeah. her, that's the original one. So even them, even when we look at the mythology of the mythology, Okay, we see that it was actually a woman. It was actually feminine. I believe that the Abrahamic religions have set the tone for every other religion that came after them into putting God in this masculine energy. And it has done much more damage than it has done good for everyone. And it's, it is clear, like, for example, even when you look at the Bible, even when you look at the example I gave, how Yahweh actually told Moses, you need to destroy that specific shrine of that goddess because he did not want a female um, uh, matriarch uh, goddess to be the, the, the symbol of life. He actually wanted a male masculine figure. Wow. And that obviously did not work. I mean, if you see the world we're in today, how it shaped all of humanity. We're talking thousands and thousands of years of pure hate, rage, anger, uh, setting the tone, politics, all of that. None of this is the work of a creator who gave life. Like, I think we, even you and me were talking about it, like how much religion has politicized people. It has created this, this power-hungry culture that you know my god is better than your gods 
I'm going to fight for my God. My God will reward me in heaven if I do something good. He will punish me if I do something bad. It just doesn't, doesn't feel like the loving creator that has, you know, that has spawned this life yeah, into existence. And, and this gets into what we were talking about and about the what's going on, the turmoil in the Middle East. It's been going on for thousands of years. The Christians, the Jews, yeah. and the Muslims all fighting each other. And if they if they realized that they were probably spawned from the Anunnaki, like if you look at who was Nanar Sin, which he was the moon god, and they also called him Allah. Hot, what, a, what a strange coincidence. And he was Enlil's son. So we have Enlil, who was possibly Yahweh, who is the, the patriarch of the mm -hmm. Christianity and Judaism religion. And then we have Nanar Sin, who was possibly Allah. And, and I can't yep. Yep. prove of this, but it, it seems pretty, it seems pretty real. So if all these people, thousands, not thousands, millions of people realized they were fighting for Anunnaki gods, what would that do for the world? I think yep. it would unite us. So I feel like, are we, are we separated by, is this our controllers wanting us to be divided because they will divide us in any way they can. They'll divide us through politics in America. You see people fighting for Trump or the left or whatever. And it's, it's all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you have people fighting over religion in the middle East. And, and, and I'm sure this happens and there's people fighting in Europe, the Irish Catholics and Protestants. Remember that they were yep. fighting so religion has really just done damage to our consciousness over thousands of years what would you say no i agree completely i agree completely because religion has taken the the fundamental idea of spirituality and the connection that humanity should have with themselves with the world around us with nature with the universe and all that and it has set us back thousands and thousands of years instead of us understanding our reality more and understanding our three-dimensional world and then trying to evolve and, and wake up from it and try to understand what is in the fourth dimension, what's in the fifth dimension, and so on and so on. It has actually held us captive within this three-dimensional world. And like you said, that people don't realize that most likely what they worship is not the creator is actually what they are worshiping is in fact an ancient civilization that was advanced that has come to earth to to harvest to to mine to get the resources and they have done and it's so simple when you think about it i mean when you when you first introduce the idea to someone who's who's you know not accepting it who's skeptical and all that they would think okay what this is like more sci-fi this is fantasy and all that but just look at how we are treating lesser civilized less beings so how we look at them and how they kind of look at look up to us in terms of like, oh, this is a supreme being. I'm going to worship that. I'm going to do that. This is the same relationship that we have. And I I'll do you one better because I've never heard anyone actually talk about this. And I think my Arabic background has helped me. When we talk about Enlil himself, and we talk about him being those or angels, if you want to call them, that have been sent in his name when in fact they were you know, working for him and working not for the benefit of mankind, right? others if you look at at his at the end of his name we have enlil right so in arabic it's enlil it's not enlil it's il and il is the representation of god right like it's the in in the sumerian language it's the heaven or above or what's what's above and that's what he is in terms of his rank because that's not really his name right so you have enlil and enki there they are ranks they are not all, all their official names so when you look at enlil 
you look at the, the suffix il and you find it in, the, in, uh, in Arabic and in uh, Aramic uh, uh, language in the Old Testament. So when you say the angels, for example, the names of the angels, you have Michelangelo, you have Gabriel, you have Ezreal and all those angels. But if you translate them, you actually, uh, Michelangelo becomes Michael with an il at the end. You have Gabriel who becomes Jibril with an il at the end. Even Israel becomes Israel and so on. So these are suffix from the same, you know, the guy who sent them, which is Enlil. They're still their, their messenger, him coming. So even within the language, you can find the proof that Yahweh is, is actually Enlil, what was referred to as Enlil within the Sumerian mythology. And it's just a rechanging of the name and and so on. And the whole idea was to divide, even within the Old Testament, they talk about the Tower of Babel, and how in Babylon, they built this giant tower, and how people were united, all of them under it, and they were all coming together. And God in the Old Testament said, these people are becoming stronger, because you are, they are united, we need to go down there and destroy the tower, so that they become divided, and they will spread across the globe, and they will not understand each other anymore. They will have different languages. So even then with, the, with wanting to divide humanity in order not to get us to rise up and know the truth and understand where we came from and know that these are not gods. They are simply beings who actually are more advanced than us. Well, I want to, this brings up a great point. I want to get your opinion on this and it wasn't on the agenda. So I hope I'm not, I don't want to hit you with a, but I think you'll you'll find you'll find uh, this question very interesting. I want to talk about who possibly Jesus was because if you look at like Edgar King, mm. he says there yep. were incarnations of Jesus. Like Jesus was Hermes, he was Thoth, he was also um, yeah, Eon, you know. And I actually I, I'm not afraid to say this. A lot of the New Age people want to bury Jesus's name, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to degrade anybody. I've actually found. You know, throughout my life, I've actually found a little bit of power in praying to Jesus. And I'll tell you what, Same. I don't know if that comes yep. from collective consciousness, you know, all praying to this name and it gives it power. Or if it's yeah. he was an ascended master that really does yeah. help people when they're in need. What are your thoughts? And what do you think? Would you, yeah. do you think Jesus was these different incarnations? Yeah. So when it comes to Jesus, I, um, to me personally, I don't really care. Where, where he came from like, I will give you my idea on him but in terms of listening to what he said or, or his teachings or anything I have read what he said I have no problem with what he said I feel like if I apply his teachings if I apply his method the world would be a better place because all he was talking about was love unity coming together worship uh, uh, humility helping so I, I really don't think there is anything wrong with what he's saying I find much more uh, what uh, what the God of the Jews said is much more, uh, you know, repelling. And I, I don't want to get there. It's it's harsh. It's it's uh, it's it doesn't invite us to live together. It's dividing us. It's it teaches hate. It opens the room for zealots. It opens the rooms for extremists when they read specific messages. Where in fact, like you can open the entire Bible of Jesus and and not find a single word that someone can take to the extreme which is what I like. Now, when it comes to who could he be, I actually have my own theory when it comes to him. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Palladians. Yeah. 
not much, but I know. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of contactees on my show who say they've they, you yeah. know, contacted Pleiadians, but I haven't de de delved deep much into the Pleiadian culture. You know, so, so when it comes to Pleiadians, you you need to look at them from a very different way than we look at other beings, because uh, when we look at, for example, let's say the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki are, are physical beings. So they have come down to earth. They have, you know, they're kind of very similar to us in terms of the way they look and how they are and how they uh, think and all that stuff. So they're physical beings. When we look at other beings, you have, for example, the Pleiadians, uh, which now came up, they are more spiritual and more, they operate on different layers of reality, if you want, or in different dimensions. So uh, they they have different teachings into into the you know how you can ascend and how you can you know wake up and how you open your third eye and so on and so on. This is a very similar, different, sorry, very different approach than than other beings, especially the Anunnaki. So what I believe, and the uh, and the Pleiadians don't operate in time. So they are creatures that are outside of the three-dimensional time that we are perceiving. What I believe when it comes to Jesus and to other masters, they have that sort of energy within them. They are reincarnated from that energy of, of um, a, a teaching to, to ascend, to help humanity, to, to, to wake them up, to bring the change, to, uh, you know, to shift their consciousness and so on and so on. So we've had that throughout all of our existence as, as humanity. We've had different people come and they have helped us shift and they have helped us you know, grow and awake and understand more and more things. And we're gonna keep doing it for a very, very, very long time. Like this is our path, which the, the, the path that I believe we're on. So masters like, for example, Jesus, I would say that, like I said, there is a form of, of this extraterrestrial energy, but not alien, the way we kind of perceive it. It's much deeper than that. And like it's, a light it, being. it operates like on like different a, layers. An energy being, right? Like an energy exactly. being. Exactly. Like a light being. Exactly. Exactly what I mean. Yes. And I personally, given that he never said, you know, make me a religion and, and worship me and fight others in my name. He, he never said all this stuff. All his teachings were about awakening. Like if you read Jesus now, when he talks about the power of man, he, he would say with simple words, like uh, he was one time um, uh, when he was walking on water and uh, they looked, uh, you know, his disciples were looking at him in a way where, like, oh my God, how are you doing it? And all that. And he was like, why are you looking at me? with these, you know, with, in this way. You, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is know that you can do it. We are all in this, we're all equal to this. He actually would say several times that, that we are the same, you and me. You can do what I do. All you have to do is believe in it. And religion kind of like negates that. Like even in Christianity, there's this rejection to, to power and magic and self-empowerment and all that. And I can't understand why, you know, and like he was the one telling people, you are strong, you are powerful, you don't need anyone. And yet now the religion tells you, no, you're, you're not, you're weak, you're weak. You're, 
into what the religion says, it tells people not to look into psychic mediums. You know, it tells people not to, it says this stuff's evil. And I feel like yeah. this is the controllers not wanting us to tap into our psychic powers. I've had a lot of psychic mediums on the show. Yes. And they told me that we have the ability to remote view. We have the ability to be clairvoyant, clairsentient. Yeah. We have the ability to even do psychokinesis. You know, yeah. you have to... I, in some ways, raise our consciousness. You know, I had my first out-of-body experience, and when I had it, I was I was listening to binaural beats at like you know a, a frequency, and um, yeah. I was in a deep meditative state. But what I noticed is my before I popped out of my body, my body was vibrating very hard. So I feel yes, like I yes, I've had that. Yes, you no, know, so yep. it's like. Um, I, I think these psychic abilities are very possible. I think religion has. Um, is and in the our controllers whoever they suppressing, are suppressing suppressing them yeah they're suppressing these ideas yeah because they, they realize if we wake up to these ideas it makes us more powerful and they don't want that what are your thoughts exactly exactly because we are powerful what has happened to us is that we have been suppressed we have been oppressed we have been told that no, you're not. Well, how many times you look at a child and you can see their innocence, you can see how strong they are, how powerful, how intuitive they are. Kids can sense things that people, adults cannot sense. That's because they have the gift within them before social conditioning comes, before religion yeah. comes and tells them you are wrong. I believe I have my son. When, when, when my son was a baby, I was giving him, giving him a bath and we were home alone. I was only uh, with him because my wife was uh, my ex-wife was, she was sick at the time. She was in the hospital. So I was alone with him. I was giving him a bath. He was seven month old, eight month old. And he was looking like I was, you know, you know, trying to make it fun and all that. And then he suddenly looks behind me. He literally just looks behind me as if something grabbed his attention. And I was like, I, I looked behind, like what just happened? And he went quiet and then he smiled and waved. He wow. just waved and then continued looking at me. I cannot tell you what I felt like my hair kind of like, you know, I got goosebumps everywhere. And it showed me that he felt a presence, a presence that I cannot feel anymore because it was taken from me. But he was clearly attracted to a specific something. There's some form of energy, some form of being, a presence that was there that he was able to sense it. That's amazing. And once you get older, once... Yeah, and, and once you get older, you are told that this is wrong. No, this isn't. What you are hearing is your imagination. This is not a real. Your dreams are not real. You cannot actually exit your body. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. This yeah. is proof to you that us as a humanity, we have the power. We are very powerful as beings, but we have been told to shut up, sit down, accept and worship a god or gods who wants to oppress us and who wants us not to approach anything that is self-empowering. And I have a very big problem with that, honestly. And, and they want us to fight each other. And that's what this has been happening over religion for years. And, and what I wanted to lead into was if you look at um, some kids have um, past life memories, you know, amazing past life memories. Like mm. don't remember that they were a fighter pilot in World War II, you know, and they, they know yep. all these facts, but they know who they were. They know like, all these facts and then the parents look into it and they find out it was real which takes me into yep. near death and you had a story about a blind woman who gained sight during near-death experiences i love obes and ndes like yes. i feel like 
that shows that there's consciousness beyond death. So can you get into what you looked into on near-death experiences in this blind woman who gained sight during a near-death? Yes, and actually to kind of lean into it even more about what we were talking about, I'll give you another story where I was told by you know, some friends, okay, uh, let, we, we all agreed, let's ask our children who are four and five years old, what do they think heaven looks like? just out of what they think, without us influencing their answer, without what we think it is. And we kind of all got the same answer, very, very interestingly. And uh, when I asked my son, he said, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, you know, just tell me whatever comes to you, whatever you feel is the right answer to what you think heaven looks like, just tell me. And he was like, I see that it's a lot of white, it's pure white, and there's this something like golden in the center of it. Like, I feel I want to go there and there's this light that is made of gold. I was like, okay, that's very interesting. Nice, thank you for that. And then I get into near-death experiences and I research it and I speak to people I know personally who have had near-death experiences. Wow. And there is this common story that everyone shares. It's mind-blowing. Like for for example, I asked this woman who she was kind of like a very important person in my life. She's, she's very old. She helped raise me when I was a child, when I was in Lebanon. And she got into, uh, she, she had heart problems. She went to the hospital and she, uh, she passed away for 15 minutes. 15 minutes, de- clinically dead, declared dead while they were trying to bring her back. She came back to life and she tells this story. And mind you, this is a woman who is very old and is not online. She has no connection to anyone or cannot be influenced by anyone online. So whatever she experienced, she experienced on her own, not influenced by anyone. And I asked her, so, so what, what happened? She said, okay, so I, I felt like I actually left my, my body, like I could feel it. And then I left it completely. I could see my body on the table and I can see the doctors trying to bring me back to life. She said, I could see it. And suddenly I was in this place, which is made of light, complete white. And she says this thing, she said, I felt so like all the problems of the world have left me. I felt like this burden that has been on my chest and my shoulder my whole life completely is, is gone completely. And I just was floating with no weight. And I reached this place where I felt the presence of beings, something there was present there. I don't know what they are. And I felt this unbelievable love. She said, I felt love like I've never felt it before in my entire life. But... She was, she knew, she, she heard it without words. She kind of understood something was telling her, it's not your time. You need to go back and you kind of have a mission. You need to go back to your life on earth. And she felt this hand on her shoulder that was kind of pulling her back. And she went back into her body and woke up. Same story everyone talks about. This blind woman that you've mentioned She talks about she was blind her whole life and she was born blind. She doesn't know what sight is completely. And at the age of 22, she was in a car accident 
she was a passenger she got into a car accident and again her you know she was declared dead for four minutes in the ambulance before she actually reached the hospital actually no she was yeah completely like she she couldn't she wasn't alive at all she reached the hospital she was declared dead for four minutes she said that she actually gained sight in her near-death experience so the moment her soul, if you want to call it, left her body. She said, I could see something down, but I didn't understand it at first because she actually never saw before. She, she never saw her own body, but she saw something new. She experienced a new sense and she saw her body lying in the hospital and the doctors were trying to bring her back. And she said that I left and went to this place, which was also completely white and made of light. And I felt this overwhelming love. However, she talks about something extra, which was which I found very, very interesting. And she talks about how she saw two girls that she recognized. And those two girls were with her when she was in school as a kid. She was around eight or nine. And the two girls were also blind. But tragically, those two girls died as children. They were also, I think, in a car accident or something. And... She said that I saw them and I recognized that it was both of them, that they were there in that space. Someone asked her at the time, she, they were like, okay, so when you saw them, did you see them as children? Like, how would you recognize them? Did you see them as kids when they were eight? Like, was it the last time you saw them or you saw them as adults? How did you see them? And she said, I didn't actually see their body. So I didn't really see what age they were in. I just saw a sort of like, their whole life at the same time. She said, like, like, if I look at one of them, I can see them as the best version of their entire presence, their entire life on earth. Wow. It was, and it's like, she's looking at them outside of time because we are, you know, all bound by time here and our body and on how we look and everything. But she said that there was no body. There was just them. Their essence was there in that place. That's and okay. again- it is, it is, it's, it's, it's like she, she understood what it's like to see something without outside of time, basically, how to see it outside of time. And that is just mind blowing to me. And she said that she came back to earth. She came back to her body. She was told that it's not her time. And she later went on to experience something very harsh, which she was told she was going to experience. It was, she was told that something very bad is going to happen to you. But this experience right now will help you through it. But you have to go through that experience. And then she says that after she came back to life and she carried on with her life and everything, at some point years later, she was actually raped by someone. He attacked her. He raped her. And in the moment that she was being raped, in that moment where he was on top of her, where he was forcing himself on her, she said that she, she remembered her near-death experience and she remembered what she was told. And instead of feeling hate and anger towards this person, she actually felt love towards him. She felt empathy. She said, I, didn't, I don't know why I felt so much love for him, even though he was attacking me and he was abusing me. And she said it out loud. She said, God, please help this man who is here right now. I love him. Help him the way I, you know, like the way you can help him. And she said that the guy who did this was completely caught off guard. And he was, he was like, 
what, 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 like, what are you doing? How, can, how are you saying this to me right now? How are you saying that you love me when I'm doing this to you? How are you asking for my for, for forgiveness for me? And she said, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I love you. And he like stopped what he was doing and he ran away and he left her and all that. Wow. And she says that she doesn't really understand where that, that love came from. You know, what she felt at the time, like how hard it is for someone to go through, through something like this. Like, I can't even imagine the fear she was going through, the, the, the anger, all that. But her near-death experience brought her something that we as people don't have it. We, we just don't have it, that, that amount of love. And everyone talks about it. There's a show on Netflix. I, I, I don't remember the name. I think it was called Beyond Death or something like that. Where, surviving Death. And uh, they talk, they talk, they get people to talk about near, their own uh, near-death experiences, and everyone mentions the same thing. All of them, all over the world, no matter your culture, your religion, your background, it doesn't matter. All of them talk about this immense love that they felt. They say that nothing, like no words right now can can actually define or express what I went through. This, 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 this amazing, overwhelming love that they had this is amazing and and, and what it makes and I, I've, I've had people on about near-death experiences and i had a lady come on and she said well, she was in a car accident and what was interesting was um right before the the impact of the car like broke her neck she popped out of her body so she didn't feel that pain i don't know if we yeah. have that um ability but what i wanted to say was if there's like this um if there's like this uh if there's this power of a god or creator or, or an ultimate consciousness that gives us love when we die how do you think this ties into simulation theory and because i know you have some interesting thoughts on simulation theory and it makes sense because there's the mandela effect and there's a lot of yep. things that also make that a valid theory so what, what would you say about the simulation theory and how this could all tie in together if possible or does it not tie in together well, I mean, uh, you have to look at simulation in, 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 different, in two different ways. Either we are talking about an actual com computer simulation where someone is controlling us and someone is looking into us and all that stuff, or we're talking about a simulation where we kind of refer to the universe as the hologram universe uh, in terms of that. So, so there are these two kind of like... Um, theories that that uh, crash a little bit into each other but they still form the same way and when it comes to the entire look at our reality at our experience here on earth okay this life this hundred years where you come you live and then you die i mean i find it laughable that people don't think that there is something after death that that we just stop existing on the or that this is it and all that even science tells you about energy and then nothing nothing uh, um, dies off, right? Energy like energy is always- Energy is always created, can't be destroyed. It just transfers- Exactly, exactly. So, so even, even when you wanna look at it from that uh, perspective, that, that alone kind of like talks about, uh, you know, life after death and the existence of energy outside of our, of our, what we perceive as reality. Because when we look at the nature of, of reality and we look at how we as humans are perceiving it, we are only perceiving it through our five senses. That's it. 
our sight, our hearing, our taste, our touch, our smell, and that's it. We don't have another way to experience this three-dimensional world. We know from different machines and different equipments that there's a lot of more things that are within the reality that we just can't perceive. When we talk about, for example, light, uh, as simple as that, the frequency that we can perceive from ultraviolet to uh, um, to uh, the... Uh, Forgot the name. Uh, the, the 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 spectrum basically that we can perceive, which which the shapes our whole world. We're only able to see like five percent of the electromagnetic light spectrum. That's what people say. I don't know if that's really Exa- accurate, but exactly. You know, it's well it's, given that there are given that there are devices that can detect higher frequencies and lower frequencies. We know that those frequencies do exist. We just don't have the 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 tools to perceive them and to, uh, to, 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 to see them in that way. So that means that there is a lot of things that are outside of our perception or our capacity to perceive that exist within us right now, next to us, around us, all over. And that ties in into what we can, you know, sim- kind of understand what is the simulation that we are, we are living in now. The when it comes to different, you know, if you want to call them glitches and things that are not supposed to happen, okay, that sheds even more light on the idea that we could be living in a simulation or not. What you mentioned, for example, the Mandela effect. Now, uh, in case people are not really familiar, the Mandela effect is when there's this mass population of people who remember something in a specific way, when in reality it's completely different. And I've had such an extensive experience with the Mandela effect, it blows my mind. Like every time I look into it, when we're I, talking- I thought Mandela was dead. I thought he was dead. I, I, that's the, the, the origination of the Mandela effect. I was one of those people. I thought yes. Nelson Mandela had died. Meanwhile, he was in prison or something and he was alive, supposedly. But this, is, this could be two different yeah. timelines. Yeah. This could be two different timelines, I believe. Yeah. Like, or timelines- Exactly. Are- so- so, so the idea is that uh, the the basically the different timelines that exist all parallel, which is uh, which is in uh, quantum mechanics, it's called the many worlds interpretation, or if you want the multiverse in more uh, layman terms, that uh, that everything exists at the same time. So all timelines are existing uh, in a parallel state, and you kind of um, like let's say for example, every time you have to make a choice. Let's say I, I want to uh, eat this apple or eat an orange. So the timelines where you eat both of them exist. So in one timeline, you ate the apple and another timeline, you ate the orange. When you make the choice, your consciousness converges into that timeline in which you ate the apple. You, you, you got me? So all of them exist at the same time. And that is where that Mandela effect comes in. Like there seems to be a sort of a glitch within the, the reality that we're in that some people are now remembering things from a different timeline. And it's really interesting and so hard to prove because it only exists in your mind. So you can't really actually prove anything other than the fact that all of us, all the people are remembering something the same way. So it's not even just remembering things differently, but remembering it in a different way, but all similar to each other. You have like from from different logos, from different uh, movie quotes, uh, you have body anatomy, maps, uh, memories, 
it's it, it goes on and on like every aspect of our culture of our being and everything has a specific i have a very personal experience with Mandela effect where when I was in um, uh, when I was 24 I uh, I was in a car accident and I broke a rib and um, went to the hospital took an x-ray and they showed me the rib now I remember in, in anatomy I remember that the rib cage had three floating ribs I don't know if you if you're familiar with this or not but it has three floating ribs uh, and then the top ones are connected to each other but at the bottom ones, they're floating. They, they don't connect. And I remember in the x-ray that I saw, one of the floating ones was the one that got broken. And I remember thinking even that, so it's a floating one, which means that it's not attached to the rest of my ribcage, which means it's going to hurt me even more. And it's going to take more time to heal because it doesn't have anything to support it. Unlike other bones in your body where they connect it. This one is just floating on its own. So it's going to hurt me even more. It's going to take longer time to, to heal. Now I look at the anatomy and there are no more floating ribs. All the ribcage is connected. That's a, it doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't isn't that, a, isn't that a, I, I, have, I have something I can even uh, relate to you. I always thought the kidneys were down here. Like you can't see where I'm pointing. Yes, at. yes, yes, back. yes. And I was always taught yep. that my whole life. Now all of a sudden the kidneys are up by our ribcage. When did that exactly. happen? What the F? You know what I mean? I even remember, I even remember right? watching boxing and how I remember punch. boxing, yeah, uh, watching it as a kid and how they would hit the kidney at the bottom of the back and it yes. would hurt them. And I would say, oh, wow, like he hit his kidney. Like these are things that are, you know, we've experienced personally, you know, like we, it's not just, oh, I don't remember whether this was blue or yellow. No, I'm sorry. I'm saying like I experienced something. I had emotions related to that memory. And yet now I'm being told this memory is wrong. Do you think More you things think other than just... Punch, do you think this kidney punch, because I've experienced this too, because I'm a big fan of MMA and boxing. Do you think that boxing commentators could have been misconceived about where the kidneys were? But, but I don't think so, because I was told, and, and, and by health, like when I went and like... Yes. Um, and like to doctors, like I had problems before or something, and they 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 taught me about where my liver was and where my kidneys yeah. were. And they all yeah. my liver yeah. was somewhere near my stomach, and my kidneys were on my lower back, and that's where it always was. And now all of a sudden, it's different. How does that even? I just it blows my mind. It it, it it's really it really is very very interesting and amazing. Yeah. And the more you delve into it, the more it makes you crazy because like you literally start doubting everything that you were taught and everything that you thought you remember. The kidney thing, for example, I didn't know it because a a sports commentator said it. I know it because I studied it in biology. I had a biology oh, wow. class in which I was told where the kidney is. You know what I mean? Like it was part of the curriculum. We had the the, the drawing of the body. We had to name each each uh, each part. So. So these are things that they don't just happen like that. Like even when it comes to the skull, apparently now we have holes in the skull. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Oh, so we have these holes, right? So we have, we have holes like here, like next to our mouths. We have under our eyes above, like, like actual holes in the skull. And this came to a surprise to me, not because, oh, maybe I never noticed the holes before, but because I, in university, I'm an art major, and I had to draw the, the body, and I had to draw a skull, you know, I remember it in charcoal, and I did not put any holes in it, even though I was looking at a picture of a skull. Yet now, I can't find any picture of a skull that doesn't have holes in it. 
How is it that you, you cannot miss something like this? It was part of my requirement for, for my project to actually draw the correct anatomy of, of a skull. And definitely there was nothing there in terms of, this, of, the, of the holes. I got something that's going to blow it, your mind. I got, I, and yeah. Tell me what you think about this. Do you think we're getting genetic upgrades? Because if you think about this, if the kidneys are now mm. by the rib cage, that would make them more protected. So do you think that a programmer or someone like the Anunnaki is actually going into somewhere and changing our bodies and change, you know, putting holes in our skulls because maybe it does something better for our genetics? And um, the I yeah, I, I don't I don't subscribe to that idea because I don't think that the Mandela effect was done on purpose. I think it was an accident. I think what happened at some point, and I do relate it to what uh, the, um, the CERN experiment that happened in 2012 when they were in the hydrogen collider, uh, they, did, they did something that I believe has affected, you know, the kind of like the fabric of our reality. Because like I said, so within the theory of the multiverse, everything exists at the same time, and then you converge to that reality that you are making a choice in. All the different realities have a slightly different thing in it, so they're not all the same. Everything is changed a little bit, like a little bit, a little bit, and so on. And we are not supposed to remember. I believe that we have always shifted from one reality to another. It's part of the system itself. It's part of our experience as a consciousness. However, something has happened in which we are remembering that something else. So whatever, like now, the anatomy that we have now, this has existed throughout history within this reality. We are simply remembering things from a different one. So it's not that we have changed the reality. We are simply have, we have changed our consciousness within that reality. And we are bringing memories with it from different places. You know what I mean? Yeah, even for, it's, it's, it really is like, even when it comes to other stuff than so that we don't just talk about the Mandela effect because that's a whole <laughs> episode on its own. Um, like there are sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced things where you feel there's like a like glitch like something appears or completely disappears next to you and you can't find it for a yes. very long time. Yes. And then yes. suddenly yes. it reappears yeah. and you go like, what just happened? Like, it's insane. Like personally, for example, I, uh, two things have happened to me in my life and can't forget them where I remember I was uh, a teenager and I was coming back home and I was in the car with my sister. She's older than me. And we were fighting. I don't remember what it was about. I was really angry. I remember I, uh, she was parking the car and I, I got, got down before she finished parking and I went to the house and the house is empty. I go in and I'm feeling this unbelievable anger. Like, I don't even remember why I was so angry. It was just like rage, rage within me. I go into the kitchen, turn on the lights. Now I need about maybe uh, five to six steps from from, the, from where I click on the light to reach the light bulb, which is in the middle of the kitchen. I turn on the lights, I walk in, the moment I'm under the light bulb, the light bulb explodes over my head. It explodes. What? I'm not talking it stopped working. No, it, it's not like it turned off. No, no it, it shattered glass all over the kitchen. And I was so shocked and scared the, the anger was completely gone. It actually felt like it left my body. And I was looking at like, what just happened? 
And I suddenly felt extremely calm. Like there's the anger that I was building actually left my body. And I can't explain it, nor can I make anyone, you know, be believe me if they don't. It's just an experience that was mind, mind blowing. I can't forget it. Like it literally exploded above my head. And the energy that was in me left me completely. Another story, I was with, um, I was having lunch with, uh, with my ex-girlfriend uh, at the time. She was my girlfriend. And we had ordered, um, like, like, just see how, how um, simple and how kind of like, not very serious these things are, but they, they do happen. And she ordered a salad. And obviously, when you order salad, you get like the, the cream with it, the sauce and everything. And it was supposed to be within the, the salad box. So you have this plastic transparent box that has salad in it. And usually you get the sauce in it. So she was sitting next to me. She was about to eat it. And she opened it and there was no sauce. And she was like, they forgot to send me the sauce because we had, you know, uh, got it as delivery. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she was like, I don't know how I'm going to eat this the salad now it's going to be dry and all that it's like you know what just kind of like it's fine just eat a little bit and, and she said okay fine she started eating it then she didn't really like it she was Zeta. so wherever she ate it kind of like you know emptied a little bit from the from the plastic box itself it's now a bit empty because she I ate closed it put it in the fridge the next morning she calls me she was like come I want to show you something now I was like okay we, she opened it and threw the plastic box of the salad we saw the sauce it's inside of the of the That's salad insane. holy shit and, and like, it just was a glitch it was a real it's, it's insane it's like there is no way to miss this we lit it's a transparent box and she was eating and where the, wherever she was like the part that she ate which became empty that's where the the sauce was inside of it it's there is no way to miss something like this and I was like, did it just appear inside? Like how, how? And I can't, I can't explain. Yeah, I, I've had, um, I've had situations where things have disappeared, like, and I, and I, and like my deodorant, like I'd, I'd be, I'd be getting ready for work and like, I'm looking for my deodorant and all of a sudden it's gone, but then it just, it reappears yeah. the next day and I never moved it. I never touched yeah. it. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it, yeah. it, it, it was gone from the, the, I have a dresser behind me. It was gone yeah. from there. But then it appeared the next day, and it and, and it, it appeared in the same place, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. it was a glitch. Yeah, this is yeah. so insane. Yeah. This is like yeah, Bruce. But see, what I'm trying to figure out is the nature of our reality. So, how do we have this? I, I can't, I can't figure out because this kind of almost proves that we're in a simulation. But then we have this loving place that we go to when we die, when we look at near death experiences. So. What is our reality? How do we tie these things together? What would you say? Is, is there a way to even to, to, to piece this together and make some kind of sense of it? I feel like in terms of understanding that we are in a simulation is within the 3D world that we live in, right? Like, like there is so much outside of our reality that we are not aware of. And we kind of get a small taste of it when we go through an out-of-body experience or we go through a, a near-death experience. This is the kind of like a small, you know, sampling of what could be out there outside of this, of this reality. And to an extent, it's difficult to, uh, to know whether, whether the reality that we are in 
is being controlled by a conscious being or is it being controlled just by existing in itself? You know what I mean? Like within the three-dimensional world that we live in, are we actually being tested? Are we being studied? Are we being this and that within this reality? Like, is there actual proof of this? Or just the nature of existence in itself within the three-dimensional world creates this simulation vibe and, and, and limits us from rea- realizing what is more out there and what we have to do. What right. I believe is that ancient humans, long time ago, before Sumerians, before the Anunnaki, before all that, understood that we are part of a simulation and yet we, are, we have the capability of stepping outside of it. We have the capability of manipulating it. When we talk about telekinesis, when we talk about teleportation, uh, about oh, intuition, time. about um, uh, foresight of the future, past life, all that stuff. So this is what we can manipulate within our reality. Like we cannot break the rules. We cannot go outside of it until we die, but we have the power to actually manipulate it and make it for our better. And then creatures came, ancient astronauts came, religion came and so on to kind of even put a a higher ceiling on us that not only are we living in a simulation that now we're not supposed to know about, we are also taught that we are not supposed to try to manipulate it because then, oh, it's the devil, or it's the, it's the you know, try, someone's trying to manipulate you and so on, and they want you to stay away from God and all that. You know what, so, this has been one of the, the, the most amazing conversations I've had on my podcast. I want to tell you that. I really thank you. <laughs> thank this conversation. You. I'm having so much fun. I want same, to get your opinion, the last thing on, on um, the North, but, well, but before I want to get your opinion on the North Pole and Hollow Earth, but I just want to get your opinion on this real quick. What are your thoughts on the law of attraction and that if you express a lot of gratitude towards the world or the universe, you kind of get like abundance, even though a lot of times we're in an angry state and we have to try to fight out of that. But it's not yeah. like I can create a mansion and I can't create me living in a mansion and I have a yacht tomorrow with the law of attraction for some reason it doesn't work like that but i can manipulate my reality a little bit to where if i bet on sports if i have a lot of gratitude and i seem to win more and i have more abundance or money will come into my checking account somehow like mysteriously it seems like if i if i show like gratitude and and um uh, and, and I, I think better, you know, if I think like I, if I think I can do these things, it happens, you know, yeah, um, yeah. You promotions at your job. I mean, see, that's what you're saying. And I, I, I will, uh, because the terminology is the difference here. Okay. Cause you think you said, I think I can make it. And then I do. In fact, you're not thinking you can make it. You are actually feeling it when you feel it within you. That's when, what gratitude is. That's when you actually get it to happen. Uh, there's this very, very interesting book. I don't know if you know it's called Conversations with Gods. Are you yeah, familiar? Yeah, Donald Walsh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's a, there's a quote in it that like really stuck with me, and it says that you need to understand that there is no getting to heaven. There is a knowing that you are already there. What does it mean? This means that we need to know And we need to understand that while we are perceiving things as if they are happening through time, in fact, they're not happening through time. Everything is happening simultaneously. 
So whatever is in me and whatever happened to me in my past and whatever is going to happen to me in my future, that has happened already and it's already happening within at the same time. So when you talk about the law of attraction and how you can be grateful for things and gratitude and things are happening with you, it's not that I need to think that I'm grateful or and things are going to happen to me. It's an, a, a pre-existing feeling within you that you are having this, that this is going to happen. You know it's going to happen. See, it's about this faith but not the religious faith, not the biblical faith. It's the spiritual understanding that I know that this thing has happened already and it's already going to happen and at the same time. And it, in fact, happens. Like, for example, you as a person, there are things where you see in your life that the good things, when we talk about the good things, you're just living life. There are certain things that keep happening to you which are very nice you have a certain understanding of things, you have this, that's already built within you. You have this understanding that things are going to be okay, that things are going to be. This is where most people kind of misunderstand the law of attraction. They think that if I sit and pray really hard and I believe it's going to happen, it will happen. It's not about up here in your head. It's about what you feel it within you, within your heart. So that's the shift that, that we work on. That's the gratitude is knowing deep within me that I'm going to be okay. Not thinking I'm going to be okay. Knowing I'm going to be okay. So why that's do you think it is. is that we can create to a certain point that we are co-creators of this reality, but we cannot create like a mansion tomorrow or living with millions and millions of dollars? Do you think some people can create this? Yeah, that's because it actually, this is something much deeper than that. And that is uh, what I believe is a pre-agreement with yourself before wow. you actually were born on earth. Yes, like your soul contract. So, like your soul, soul contract. contract, whether it was with, your, with others or with yourself, you have already agreed on the life that you're going to live, on all the experience you're going you're to go through. So what you think now is that mansion is not going to serve you at all in who you are. It does not align with your soul, and it, it won't do anything for you. What, in fact, you are, what you are seeking is what someone else has told you that that's where your happiness lies. That's where you are where you want to be. Even if you actually get your mansion, for example, you'll still feel that emptiness if it's not in your original uh, uh, contract. You know what I mean? With yeah. the agreement that you made with yourself. So I'm not saying everyone who's rich is miserable. A lot of people have made that agreement that I'm going to experience that. I'm going to come and experience life as a rich person, as a powerful person, as a politician, as whatever. Whatever we have made an agreement with ourselves before coming here, that's what's manifesting right now. And that is what will bring you that deep happiness and peace of mind and this, the, 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 that peace within you that no one else can give you. It's not the money. It's not your, your car or your house or all that. It's you aligning yourself with your original purpose on earth. Because we all have lessons here. And I want to get your take on one other thing. I know I, we know we've been going a long time, but I, hmm. you just gel so well. Like, I feel like I have an old friend energy with you. Like, I've known you for a nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we've yeah. known Same. each other in past lives. But this is yeah, what I definitely. want to ask you about. Like, I have dreams sometimes where I'll be sleeping for eight hours. But in this dream, I feel like I'm 
living an entire second life. Like I have like, you know, like I'll be having sex with a girl and then all of a sudden I'm doing things like I'm living a life and the, I know these people and I don't know yeah. them in this world, but I know yeah. them in this dream. And I'm wondering if that's a split of my consciousness where I'm actually experiencing a, a life outside of this life, you know, like, a, like my soul is experiencing another part of reality that, you know, and, and um, I, I don't know, because some people try to say that dreams are just precognition. I have a feeling that dreams are, are much deeper and they, they can be oh, yeah. parts of our soul that we're experiencing other realities. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, definitely a lot more to dreams than even science can't even explain why we dream. They just tell you how the dreams come to, to be when it comes to your subconscious, when it comes to your memories and all that and all that. But they don't even explain why is it that you would dream. And the, to me, I have experienced dreams as well. They have been so vivid all my life. I have experienced a near-death experience within my dream one time as well. I have uh, seen my other you know, life, how it was. I've experienced past life things as well. I think that when it comes to the dreams, that is the closest thing we have to looking at our life without our limiting tools that we have. And we kind of like, fly everywhere so you could experience a past life memory you could experience a current life parallel to you at this time you could experience the future have you had something where you've dreamt something that's going to happen and then it happened again yes. Did it ever happened to you yes yes same same i have seen things happen and then the next morning or the day after it comes to me it's like i i just saw this in my dream you know like so so there are there's so many different things that that happen within a dream and they could be things that we are tapping into that to an extent could be part of the our original powerful self which has uh, been you know like we said it has been suppressed or anything but, but but given that we are in that state where we are not socially conditioned where no one is telling us don't do this don't dream that don't feel like this that's what what complete freedom looks like yeah, and, and 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 this goes into what you were saying that, and I believe this too that time is not linear. That we're like you just said it, we're experiencing everything all at once, and yeah, you know, past lives, current lives, but we just don't understand it because mankind has put this kind of marker that time is linear and that we're experiencing everything on a Gregorian calendar. You know, like the yes, even, <laughs> you know, our history is not what they say it is. Even like the the, the Gregorian calendar, like. Some like I think in Persia or Iran, they follow a different calendar. So like they have a different idea of how many years the world's been like like for us, we think yeah. the world has been like six thousand years, but I think in Persia, they think the world's only been fifteen hundred years. I heard yeah. that yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not sure. Do you know about this? I'm not familiar with the Persian one, but if you, if you look at the the Mayan, the Mayans in uh, in South America, they also have their own calendar with their own days and their own time and all that. So yes, it's it's a it's such a human construct that we built to create um, uh, to create a, to sort of understand the world around us or to sort of uh, make sense of things that are happening. But and yet it it limited us a lot more because now we believe that. Everything works through time, even even when it comes to. So, for example, like when you tell someone, oh, well, you know, after you die, you're going to be, let's say, in heaven forever. And they go like, how? What do you mean forever? Like, I'm going to get bored. Yeah, but because you think that it's going to actually continue, like you're going to live things one after the other. But that's not how it works. It's just a state of existence. That's it will never end. And it has never started. 
You know, it's just it's just there. That is what the idea of, of creation is. And you said something that I just want to highlight that you said we're all here to learn lessons. I don't believe in lessons. I don't think that we're here to learn lessons. I believe that we are all here to experience. That's it. Like that they tell you, okay. they say yeah. that that life is or basically everything is the creator experiencing his creation and that's it this is this is all that's that's ever been it's just the idea is to experience everything that reality has to offer in all of its senses in all of its dimensions and that's why no two lives are the same no two people are the same we're talking just as far as a human go, we have like what since the beginning of recorded history till now, 110 billion people they say have lived and died, and not a single one has lived the same life. Why? Because we are here to experience every aspect and every facet of creation, if you want. That's amazing. And then just real quick, because we've been going an hour and 16 minutes and I, I don't want to, I know you're busy and you have a son and you have a wife. <laughs> Thank you. Real quick, can you just tell me your theories on hollow earth? Because I believe it exists. I, I know there's underground bases here in the US and I don't know if there's grays in them, you know, but if you look at Admiral Byrd's flight to, uh, mm. you know, he said North, he yeah. experienced things and a lot of yeah. people have twisted and manipulated that story. They say Admiral Byrd was uh, shot down by Nazi UFOs and stuff, but other people people say he encountered a city where you know he met these beings and um he actually went inside the earth and you know so there's different stories that but you actually have a version where you say and i thought this is interesting that we're not allowed to visit the north pole so can you talk about that a little bit real quick and and what your thoughts are on that yeah, I mean, uh, it, it all ties up to the time as well of the of Sumeria and the Anunnaki and all of that and all the different beings and the giants and, the, for example, you have the Mu uh, civilization and you have the uh, uh, Nephilim and all that. All of these things kind of all come together because you have a history of war on this planet. You have a war that has happened thousands of years ago within the, these ancient beings that have come here and have not only divided us, but they were also divided among themselves. And you have these stories and mythologies of, of um, whose side each one took and the beings that were already on earth have, have uh, joined up with them. And the idea is, the theory goes that within Earth itself, there is this other Earth. That's the hollow, the hollow Earth, right? And you have beings that have come down there long time ago. We are talking from the time of the floods. Have these beings kind of escaped the surface and have delved deep and they stayed inside. And what's interesting about it is not just the fact that if someone, you know, went and saw something and they were asking... What I am interested in, in the mythology of, 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 uh, of civilizations that have lived next to these things and what they believe their own gods were. Okay, so when you talk about an ancient civilization, they don't really know things. They, they, everything that is more advanced will be looked at as God and so on and so on. You have, for example, uh, um, uh, in the Mayan, uh, Mayan uh, mythology, they talk about the city of Shibalba which is like it's inside Earth. It has uh, creatures that have reptilian-looking uh, faces and so on. You have in the... 
is that in the Popo Vuh or what, you know the Mayan Popo Vuh? Is exactly. That, exactly. I got to read that. I've been told yes. it's amazing. You know, that's exactly what it is. There's another one. It's it's within the. Uh, this is a very interesting story where, because uh, there's a lot of uh, tribes still living now in the Amazon, in the in the in the river and the forest and stuff like that, and. Recently, there has been this tribe, and uh, I can't, you know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly because they Makuchi, let's say we call them the Makuchi tribe, and they have their own gods who they believe live within the earth. They, they believe that their presence, like as, their own, as a tribe, their purpose on earth is to guard these doors because they have been through the doors and they have through the tunnels and they know and they spoke about beings living down there. They, are, they spoke about cities being down there. And their own purpose is to help these beings stay and not allow people to go, to go in, people from the outside. They even mentioned in their own mythology, okay, they mentioned uh, types of rock, okay, that is molten, basically, like from lava and all that. They mentioned that this is how beings down there live next to this stuff. Okay, and when an expedition was done to, to go down there, they went down for nearly six days of, of, of uh, you know, trying to go down the tunnels and breaking and using tools and all that until they reached places where they, in fact, found molten rocks. And they were shocked that how would a civilization so, um, uh, so ancient and so primitive know that the, at the bottom of uh, under where they live actually exists this kind of stuff. That means that they were down there using tools that no one can explain how they were able to get there, that modern uh, uh, science needs, and yet they knew all about it. Even when you look at the idea of how humanity has come to understand what heaven and hell is. So we have now believed for, for, civil, for thousands of years that hell is below is under us and there's no reason for people that are that that understand things very literally very literally with the world around them that when they want to describe something that is above them they call it heaven so like when they say the Anunnaki and others they came down from from above because they actually saw them coming down from above so they started understanding or thinking also oh, that means that heaven is above us and then when they understand that they are beings living underground and they are terrifying and they are scared of them and all that, they would come to say, okay, so this is what, you know, hell is below us, is under us, because they are actual beings that are living under us. Wow, this is amazing. Um, and uh, the, I, my absolute last question for you, and I'm sorry, I just have to get your opinion. because No, it's okay, it's okay. You're a brilliant person. What are your thoughts Thank on you. flat earth and the earth is round? Because we have ancient civilizations that thought that, that maybe the earth was flat. And then these flat earthers now today, they have a lot of evidence that NASA could be lying to us. So I don't totally dismiss it, but I, I, I you know, I have researchers like- I'll, I'll tell you, on. yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely don't believe in flat earth. Uh, however, I know where it came from. And I understand how it was misunderstood into this. So flat earth comes from, a, from an original theory, which uh, I completely forgot the name of now. <laughs> I didn't research it uh, before this. But it was referring to how earth it has different planes. And these planes are affected by different 
parts of the universe, different planets, different energies, and so on. Okay, so for example, like the plane that has Europe and uh, you know this continent, for example, gets affected by let's say Venus or whatever in a specific time, and then the plane, and then this existence on different planes actually talks about how different people are when it comes to. Um, different beings, not just humanity as homo sapiens or whatever. We're talking about uh, the Lyrians, the Palladians, the Anunnaki themselves, the reptilians, and so on and so on. Artorian. Each living within a specific plane. Yes. Because the plane itself is set in a way where it's kind of flat, I believe that this was taken completely out of context and was referred to as a flat earth theory that in terms of that. I cannot... I will believe any conspiracy theory. I would look into it. I would study it. I would give it the benefit of the doubt. I would mention it on my podcast. But there is no way on earth that I can believe that the earth is flat, given that from a, uh, just, just to kind of contain the story, kind of to let people believe it, you're talking about, for example, people who, who let's say, um, uh, travel, right? Like the pilots of airplanes. You are talking about pilots, plane engineers, uh, 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 control towers, your government, so on and so on. You're talking about a story that is being covered by millions of people around the world. And we know that's not possible. You know what I mean? I'm talking about, for example, like I studied, I took a course in, in, uh, in university when it comes to photography. It was a photography course. And, and I was being talked about, uh, I was being taught about the horizon and where I should, you know, put my uh, my camera angle and how to take it, you know, the, the the rule of third and so on. And I remember my teacher told me this very interesting thing about about the fact how why Earth, you know, the it's not flat and all that. It came under the idea that if every time you're looking at the horizon, every time you're looking at the horizon, the line, the line of the horizon is at the center of your eyes, always, always at the center of your eyes. If you go up to a mountain and you look at the horizon, you will see it in the center of your eyes. If you go down, you will still see it. No matter how much distance there is from above or from below, it's always at the center of your own peripheral vision. That is because the earth is in fact round. That's because every time you go up, you can see a little more of the curvature of earth. That's, that's literally how it's being used in these senses. So in third dimension, in this third dimension, that's how we look at it in around. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that's why I cannot subscribe to this idea at all, at all. I have looked into it and I, this is to me, it's just, yeah, no. I, just <laughs> no. I think you're a brilliant researcher. I see that I see a friendship developing in the future. Honestly, like I, I'd like to stay in touch with you because like, I feel like I'd sure. like, love to have you on my podcast again, but it's funny. I think we covered every important topic today because I wanted to, because I think your, 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 your opinion is that valid and all these topics. I really think you have a, 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 a good, a good aspect of everything that we talked about, you know, and I, and I, I really appreciate your opinion. Can to finish up, can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your podcast and all that stuff? Sure, sure. First, thank you so much for having me. I really, really had a lot, a very good time. And yeah, I agree with you. The conversation, the friendship, the for the future, I would definitely love to come back and all that. Uh, for anyone who wants to, you know, follow me on all that, I also have my own podcast. It's called Paradigm Shift with Sergio Halabi. You can find me on every channel there is. 
And uh, you can also, ha I have my own Instagram page. It's called paradigm.shift.experience, where I talk about my stuff that I already spoke about on the podcast, but I make it more visual, more designed, more graphic and stuff like that for people to kind of engage with them even more. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And, and you might get an email from me. I'm trying to figure out, I saw you were on like TuneIn and all these different apps. And this, I, I'm going to, I just, I, I need to find out. I got my podcast, like, you know, I was just on YouTube, but then I was able to upload. I found, figured out how to upload on the Anchor and that got me onto Spotify. And that also took me onto Google Podcasts and Apple. So mm. I'm on all those, but I saw you were on TuneIn. I'm trying to figure out how to get my show on TuneIn, Spreaker. I don't know if I just have to add my RSS feed or how does that work? Do you know? Oh, I, I, I did actually just add my RSS feed and after a while I just got approved. It was no more than that, to be honest. Okay. Is that easy? Yeah. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. You I just throw it everywhere. This has been awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much. This was been, honestly, as soon as I get allowed back on YouTube, because we know they're the Gestapo Nazis or whatever. I don't <laughs> want to even say it because they, they gave me a strike for no reason for a video that I did a year ago that nobody even watched anymore. So oh I had to God. like clear out my channel from anything that would remotely be offensive to YouTube. So, but I don't think anything in this podcast was offensive to YouTube. So as soon as I'm allowed back on YouTube, I'm going to post this. So thank you very much. And I'll be talking to you soon. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. You 